the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into hour two of our daily three-hour show, it is a delight, as we do every Wednesday at this time, to welcome back David Schweikert, uh, representative, uh, Arizona, representing Arizona's 6th Congressional District, senior Republican member, the uh, U.S. Joint Economic U.S. Congressional Joint Economic Committee, member of Ways and Means. David Schweikert, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm thinking of taking up heavy drinking. Are you? Is it is it is it six trillion dollars worth of heavy drink? A hundred. Oh, here's what well, I said. A, a, actually, no, oh. no, no, no. You got it. You got it. You, you you forgot to tag on on top the current budget on top of all the additional spending. You're talking ten. That's what I was about to. Ten trillion. That's where I was going. You nailed it. I said, you know, you look at this stuff. One point five. You know, one point one point. Uh, eight trillion, one point five trillion, two point three trillion. COVID relief, oh. infrastructure, families, uh, plant, rescue plan. You're at six trillion just before the budget. Any of these yep. things, once upon a time, at these price tags, David, in your tenure as a member of Congress, would have been a budget. Um, look, um, you, you got to give the hard left, the radical left. Um, I, I think this is a moment. We take a step back and just look in awe at the audaciousness and the fact they were willing to do it. Um, and the number of folks I keep running into who say, I'm a Democrat, I voted, but I didn't vote for this craziness. And you turn to them and say, but you were told they were going to do this. I didn't believe them. Maybe now you will believe the radicals control the Democrat Party and the crushing crushing debt that my little girl, that your kids, the others are going to suffer with, this is what you voted for. All of that is true, Congressman Schweiker. And here's a worry I have. Maybe you don't. You tell me. I worry that when we respond, and I've done it too often myself, we respond as Republicans with an acceptance that these plans are the right concept and idea we just want to spend a little less to do it. I worry about yeah, playing on their field. Do you ever worry real, about that? Um, that was the classic Republicans in the 1970s, 1980s yeah. is, you know, we'll do the same thing. We'll just do it more efficiently. Yeah. And the reality of it is that the world is very different today. Mm -hmm. We have technology in, in ways that we never dreamed of just a decade ago. And the ability to think beyond the typical confines of, you know, what's what what's um, daycare? Right. Is daycare a church co-op? Is it the fact you're economically so viable you can work from home? Is it, or is it handing your child to a corporate daycare entity or government-sponsored one? And, and you sort of have to sort of think much more creatively and understand the options. Um, I did a presentation the other day on a number of these co-ops, neighborhood, community, church, all sorts of different types of co-ops that popped up around the country. 
and the committee just stared at me like, why are you bothering? We've never heard of it. <laughs> but, but just, if, I don't know if that's a solution, but it proves there are alternatives to massive government-funded control. Well, I don't want to be too easy about this or too simplistic about this, but when you think about a COVID relief package, let's say, um, oh, it's coming in at about two trillion bucks. I think that's the last number I saw. One point nine two trillion bucks. When you think about something like that, uh, Congressman Schweikert, or you think about other other uh, other pieces of items of legislation that are meant to um, to get, as they like to say, America working again, um, couldn't we just couldn't we just open our businesses again? I mean, I know yeah, some states did it worse than others and some did it better than others, but why does Texas have to pay? Why does Florida, why does Arizona have to pay for the sins of of New York when, or California when, or Wisconsin or Michigan when we told them all along this was – it's not as if we were all – it's not as if we were all wrong. Some of us were wrong. You and I weren't. Okay. Stop. Sorry. Stop, stop. You already fell for the big lie. Okay. What made you think any of this was about COVID? What made you think any of this was about economic relief? What made you think this was about growing opportunity and jobs and sort of uh, economic growth and opportunity? This is about power and control. This is money. If you look at where the money goes, Huge portions of this money don't even go out for another year or two. That's and right. they happen to time up towards the election. Yeah. They go to Democrat constituencies. This is about buying votes. This is about paying off the people that finance their le- their election. This isn't about COVID. Will you stop that? Okay. It's a fair point. And I take the I take the emendation. <laughs> I take the correction from you, David. You're 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 the congressman and, and 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 you're the expert and you're right. That having been said, though, that having been said, overarching all of this, really, all of our economic doldrums is that very point, isn't it? That some people in this country thought it would be a good idea to close business early and for a long time. And some of us didn't think it was a good idea. Some of us thought it was a terrible idea. And we who thought it was a terrible idea were right, and we're paying the bill of those who were wrong. Can I put it that way? you got you got to be careful okay. what some of the underlying motivations were. Even whether it was top of mind or not, um, let's, have, let's deal with a little reality. Okay. Small business, entrepreneurs are often conservative. Mm-hmm. Big business is mercenary. Mm-hmm. They'll give they'll finance the Democrats. Matter of fact in many ways they Oh yes, I should say more. Amazon did very, very well this past year. <laughs> well but, but, but in an oligopoly economy that you have a hand holding deal with the government to lock out competition. Um, you know if you're a big multinational, you're quite fine with that. So think about what happened. The entrepreneurs got crushed and the big multinationals did quite well. Yeah. And now you look at some of the tax proposals that are going to roll out tonight, yeah. and you start to lay them out of who are the disruptors in society, who are the competitors to the, you know, to the big international national corporations. This new tax code, regulatory code, restrictions, 
it's going to kill much of the startup competition. Um, yeah, you you, you got to think it through and be much more cynical. Cynical, good, but um, in a way, weirdly optimistic. See, I think of you, David, as someone who wakes up every morning excited to do your job. And I know well, of a that, lot that, of that's after drinking excessive. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, I understand. All... You take your balance of nature, and then you're ready to go. And... I believe the dear Lord provides paths and opportunity, mm. but it's our obligation to believe in people. Believe in the Constitution. Yeah, that's what I love about you. That's why you're happy every morning because you see this as a fight for American hope, growth, and opportunity. American hope, growth, and opportunity. I worry that a lot of us get uh, – a lot of Republicans get rejected because it's, oh, my God, another fight. But you see this every day as an opportunity. You see this as an opportunity to educate, don't you? Well, for, first, sense of reality of being – having the opportunity to be on this earth. Yep. There's never a day you don't have an obligation to Good. fight. Good. Now, you, you can think of a fight as an ugly, horrible thing, or you can think of it as just you know the joy of – trying to evangelize your philosophy. Um, you know, it, there, we do have an attitudinal problem, because I think many of us on the conservative side, we see the damage that's being done, and we become sour. Right. And it's okay to be sour, you know, feel the gut punch, and then get off your hiney and get back to work. Well, you got to, because fighting for America seems to me about the greatest fight one could have. It just seems like it would be. Well, it, it, there is a and, – and the neat thing is I got this from my family growing up. If you believe the Constitution was divinely inspired, you know, um, then what's your moral obligation to defend it? A hundred percent. A hundred percent, David. So, so, so the quitters around us, oh, I'm not going right. to vote. Oh, you know, the Republicans are just as bad at this and that. You know, okay, I, I don't know how you put that in a moral context. Yeah. So, yeah. and look, it is exhausting, particularly being in the minority where, to, you know, you and I have talked to just how dark Washington is. Yeah, sure. How everything is weaponized. Everything's politicized. And I was trying to come up with ways to describe, you know, I mean, you can't walk down the hallways in the Capitol right now with even, even the Nancy Pelosi's making sure the television's or on CNN and MSNBC. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just... It's every little thing. They do every little thing that they can. Because they yeah. see everything in a political yep. context. Yep, they see a teachable moment everywhere they exist. You bet. You and bet. we need to constantly... Um, like tonight, the president's going to roll out this crushing taxes. Yep. And they're going to pretend that, oh, only really wealthy people are going to pay these. And then it'll take us about two weeks to do the math... And we'll show how these taxes are going to actually ultimately crush the working poor and the opportunities. And the media will not believe our math. They won't cover it. But that doesn't mean you don't stop fighting. No, that's right. Because this 1% that Jen Psaki says, we're just going to raise taxes on the 1%, just the 1%, that 1%, David, uh, that's someone making $600,000 who employs the working poor, right? Actually, he's not going to take it out on his four, children. Maybe as low as four hundred. Oh, it might even be lower. He And, and, and he's, he's employing the working poor. And well, I'm guessing but, but his it, child will not be fired before the working poor person who but, works but it's, for him. But it's, more, but it's more than that. Yeah. Um, 
I, I have a really good friend who's had a plumbing business since you know he graduated high school. Yeah, and he wor- has worked his hiney off. His wife has worked, and they now have an offer to sell it to one of these big plumbing companies. Okay, he's going to get a really good payday. Okay, I, he's racing now to figure out if he can get it sold before these new yeah. taxes come on, because all of a sudden, at least for a year, when he sells his business. Um, his income is going to be in that 1%. Now, it's also took him 40 years to get there, and it's a one-time event. This is the type of hard-working Americans that ultimately will get crushed in this. Because really rich people have lots of tax consultants, lots of attorneys to figure out how to work around this stuff. Yep. No, it's a fair point. Well, stick close with us, David, because that's the argument we're going to have to confront, I think, uh, very strongly and head on. And I can't think of anyone I'd rather in my trenches argue uh, argue it with me than you. So, well, I always fear thanks. when you and I start to talk taxes, you can almost hear the radios clicking off. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I hope that's not true. I, I, I really don't because, what you know, it's something that we now have to think about more than once a year. Right. It's something we have to think about more than once a year because you and I think of it as taxes as something that, you know, helps build good things. But as you corrected me and you were right to do so, the Democrats think of taxes as something to reshape our entire society with. And that's that's oh, yeah, that's why we can't uh, can't rest. David Schweiker. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Always All love, right. we'll love catching you up. soon. Talk to you. Bye soon. Now. God bless. I always had this idea. This is a great song, Hermit's Hermits, written by Carol King. I always, I always thought it would be a, a nice romantic gesture for a guy to send that song to a girl he just started dating. Isn't that a nice? You think that's overkill? Is that a bad idea? Or it might make her say, "Aw, he thinks I'm into something good. He's into something good." Yeah, as David Schweikert would say, you're being too cynical. No, he would say, you're not being cynical enough. That's, yeah, he always makes, <laughs> he's funny that way. Tony's in Tempe. Hi, Tony. Oh, hi so much. So much. Yes, Tony, if, someone, if a guy you started dating, and maybe it's your husband, whatever, if he sent you that song, wouldn't you find it endearing? No. <laughs> He'd push you away? Anyway, let me tell you why I called. Wait, no, this is important. He'd push you away? Okay. Pardon? He'd push you away? You'd push him away? No, 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 no. I I wouldn't judge based on that. I would just, no, I don't want to say anything that would be insulting. All right, all right, all right. Seth, I have different tastes in music. I mean, I love all the variety. Okay. Seth, I, I love the variety okay. that you have okay. on there. It's wonderful. But, yeah, and it's just a personal thing. Nothing Fair personal. <laughs> All right. Talk to me about the reason for your call. <laughs> okay. Well, I just heard you and Dave Swikert, and I, I just love that guy. Oh. I, he is just so right oh. on. And I love you, too, of course. Thank you. Uh, just not my music. <laughs> so, song notwithstanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, But what I was going to say, I think these people, are, the Republicans, 
you know, they're trying to keep up with the uh, Democrats because just like bad parents who want to give their kids everything that they want because they're afraid they won't like them, except in this case, they're afraid they're not going to get elected. It's very hard to compete with that. And what I think that they need to do really is just keep their eye on the ball. Mm -hmm. We need to get away from socialism. We're Mm -hmm. already so socialist, it's ridiculous. So many people are on the government dole. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about people who are upper income. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they have autistic kids, they're getting thousands of dollars a month in help. Mm -hmm. They don't need it. But they're getting it. They figure they've paid taxes. They deserve it. It's just so crazy, the mindset out there. So this is what these politicians are worried about. Don't worry about it and just start talking the truth. You know, as far as how inefficient government is, government's never done anything successfully. They've always raided your wallet and it's never ending, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, just keep your eye on educating, trying to educate, because let's face it, our electorate, half of it or more, are so misinformed so ignorant and addicted to free stuff and think that's a viable alternative, just printing money, free income. Mm -hmm. So anyway, and if it happens to fail, just like a good, tough love parent, you just let the consequences play out, especially when you don't have any choice. This is like a tidal wave, Mm -hmm. and half the country is going after this. And you've got these young people that are just clueless. The old people are dying off, you know, the ones that have a little bit of wisdom. So I think we're in a bad place, and our only hope, instead of trying to be like them... By the way, I remember when Trump was running, he was tempted to compete and give away free stuff. Correct. Remember, I mean, the child care, I know his daughter really was big on the child, that subsidy. Yep, fair enough. And. I know. We were constantly saying, no, stop that, stop that. And his advisors were advising him, saying, the people out there are saying, don't go this way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? So if this fails and we lose and we're in a very, very ruined state, um, what will happen? Good things will still happen. Okay? First of all, we need to learn to be happy no matter what our circumstances are. Okay? We can be happy and be poor. In fact, I think we can be even happier because it will bring community back. We'll have to depend more on each other. There'll be local gardens. If someone wants to start a business, we have to borrow from each other, you know, set up a little bank. In other words, we will go back to the grassroots type living. Mm -hmm. And that, I guarantee you, is going to be more satisfying. Mm -hmm. But you've got to be able to move away from, I mean, who's going to close down their Facebook account? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just addicted to it. They're so entrenched. Mm -hmm. But I do think if it's forced upon us as far as just a complete financial collapse, which I think is a real good possibility, to instead of feeling suicidal and depressed, make lemonade. And the lemonade, hey, the sun is always, the rainbow is always above the rain, is it not? It always comes after the rain. Well, yeah. But, you know, and then there's another uh, saying that I like, and it's a biblical saying. It says, answer a fool according to his folly, and you become like him. So when they make all these accusations that are just insane, ridiculous, don't even give them... I'm with you, Tony. I'm with you on that, at least. On that, I'm with you.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I don't know what to make of this. Uh, the first thought I had, I still think is right. But the story is this. The Biden administration and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration under it, Cedric Richmond et all, are about to ban menthol cigarettes. I don't even know when the last time as I heard of menthol cigarettes, much less seen them. But okay, they exist. And I'm just wondering, is that the right thing to, in a health crisis? I mean, okay, anything to say about any of the other substance abuse and drug problems we have in this country? Anything? Anything about drug use in this country? that the Biden administration is supportive of that causes and is, excuse me, that causes a variety of psychiatric conditions, including psychosis. I mean, why are we going after gnats when there are lions and bears stalking the land? That was my first thought. I'll tell you the thought I didn't expect, but is so perfectly attuned to the times. Bill would have predicted this. Bill's good at predicting these things. There is opposition to the banning on menthol cigarettes, and it's not from just the tobacco companies. Guess who's on the side of the tobacco companies here? The ACLU. Why, Bill? You may not know enough about the culture of this to know the answer. Why would the ACLU oppose banning menthol cigarettes? The ethnic makeup. There you go. You knew it. The most. You nailed it. Bingo. Here's the letter from the ACLU. The undersigned organization and others write to express our deep concern over reports that the U.S. Food and Drug deep concern may be contemplating regulations to prohibit menthol cigarettes. While no doubt well-intentioned, these proposals raise the same concerns expressed previously. Policies that amount to prohibition for adults will have serious racial justice implications. Such a ban will trigger criminal penalties, which will disproportionately impact people of color, as well as prioritize criminalization over public health and harm reduction. A ban will also lead to unconstitutional policing and other negative interactions with local law enforcement. Well, it will lead to more interaction with law enforcement if it's Made Ill, if they're made illegal and people break the law, yes, there will be more police enforcement. New laws require newer enforcement mechanisms. The knee-jerk assumption that it will create more racial injustice, however, I, um, I retreat from. I take exception to. You know, in fact, in fact, I've never heard the case made that curbing and restricting non-menthol cigarette sales or cigarette sales generally would affect other racial 
populations. I've never heard it made in that direction. Clearly, some people break the law on these things. Clearly. Is the ACLU and other organizations, are the ACLU and other organizations only of the belief that blacks have a problem with the law? That is the racial paternalism that goes on in these hyper-racialized condemnations of public policy or public policy thinking. I mean, what kind of weird person do you have to be to sit around and say, you know, we need to, um, for our public health, we need to make sure menthol cigarettes are as unregulated as possible. For our public health. Because cigarettes and banning certain kinds of them might affect some racial populations more than another. What happened to the thousand scientists? Where are they right now who said marching in the streets during COVID was more important than COVID because racism was as much a public health threat as COVID? Is that where they're coming from on this? Hard to say. Hard to say. But who knew the progressive left would be behind big tobacco? Who knew the progressive left would be pushing not to regulate cigarettes, public health, my God. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. My friends at Trades Unlimited want me to tell you about how foam roofs here in the Valley are a great option for lots of homes. And they are expert at Trades Unlimited in not only installing, but modifying, updating, fixing, coating, recoating. Not only do foam roofs help insulate from the extreme Arizona heat, they also help insulate your home from exterior noises and most importantly, protect your house from water leaks. I've met the people at Trades Unlimited. I went down to their warehouse and um, their headquarters, and I can tell you, these are great people. Great people, great work ethic. They measure twice. They cut once. They've been around for 26 years, and they have an A-plus rating at the BBB for all of these reasons. Quality and service is what you'll come to know with Trades Unlimited. The hot summer sun is perfect for foam recoats just now, so protect your roof before the foam beneath the coating gets compromised. Don't wait until it's too late. Call my friends over at Trades Unlimited at 480-483-1775. That's 480-483-1775. Or visit them online at tradesunlimited.com. Tradesunlimited.com for all your roofing needs. Anita is in Phoenix. Hello, Anita. Hey, Seth. Huge fan up in here. Thank you. So I did read an article about that menthol ban yesterday or today. I can't remember. Maybe early this morning. Anyway. The thing that um, really stuck out to me in this article was that the point of the ban was to help people of color because apparently people who keep statistics of this sort of thing say that I don't know exact number, 75 or 85% of menthol cigarettes are sold to people of color. 
So, according to this article, the whole point of this was to help people of color. So, it's hilarious that ACLU is now saying that it's going to hurt people of color. Anyway, just thought I'd pass that along. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Uh, it's weird what these... I mean... I got to tell you, I, I, I'm I'm no fan of any of this. Um, I'm really not. Um, but I, it just seems to me right now, maybe not the time to be focusing on that. But if it is, I mean, my gosh, maybe the progressive left just needs to step out of this one, and and not attach race to everything. I mean, I I, I agree. I, I mean, I just think less cigarettes are probably a no, that's that's stupid. Less cigarettes are a good idea in this society, regardless of race. So too, so too, less marijuana, less fentanyl, less of everything dangerous to the body. So I, I say focus yeah. on all those things. Leave race out of it, but maybe start on the thing that's killing people immediately, like fentanyl and the border, and maybe not something that takes 60 years. Agreed. Maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anita. God bless you. Appreciate your... Uh, your phone call. I um six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero for anyone else who wants to get in. Uh do you go to Tulane? Did you go to Tulane? I mean. Do you have children at Tulane? They've got a new guest lecturer there. It's a very prominent college in uh, Louisiana. Uh you know, I I would say it's as uh prominent and competitive as uh as uh, any other uh, well-known private school out there that you could think of, and um, they have a new um, a new lecturer. There's a ten-week course there in the journalism school called Media Polarization and Public Policy Impacts, and it's basically designed, as the course says, to teach about quote the current state of the media landscape in the United States. And how media polarization, fake news, and the economics of the new business of the news business impact public policy making in Washington. Who do you think would be a good lecturer on how the media polarization and fake news is impacting policy making in Washington? Um, maybe someone who's subject to a lot of fake news. Uh, maybe someone who has been tracking a lot of the fake news or a critic of it. Uh, maybe someone who's won a defamation judgment um, uh, uh, by suing the mainstream media. Maybe. Let me tell you who the guest lecturers are. Juan Williams. CNN correspondent Kylie Atwood. New York Times columnist Brett Stevens, anti-Trump Brent Stevens, Washington Post columnist Margaret Sullivan, New Yorker columnist Susan Glasser, White House Corona Task Force member Deborah Burks, and wait for it, wait for it, the crown jewel of the guest lecture set at Tulane on fake news and how it impacts public policy is Hunter Biden. You're done? You give up? I'm looking at Bill. 
can't come up with something funnier than that if you tried. It's the truth. Or as we say in Yiddish, the emis. It's the tr- Margaret Brennan who represents and resents being called fake news. Why are we having Margaret Brennan from CBS? All these mainstream people hate the phrase fake news. Why are they coming? I mean, okay, one or two, maybe half even, maybe even 80%. Give me a please. Give me a someone. Give me a Molly Hemingway for God's sake. Just one. It's They're not hard to find. They're not. Give me a Dennis Prager. Give me one. He'd go lecture at Tulane. He probably has already once before, not many times before. Give me a Mark Stein. Give me a Tuck. Give me a Mark uh, Martha McCallum. Give me. I mean, there is not. I could spend the rest of the afternoon suggesting people for Tulane to talk. But this Hunter Biden thing. Sp- spend a moment with me on this, just as a thought experiment. What does Hunter Biden have to teach college students who are paying $70,000 a year about how media polarization and fake news is impacting public policy making in Washington? The only thing about Hunter Biden and fake news that exists is that he was trying to say that it was fake news, that he was um, uh, that he was uh, selling out to the Ukraine, that he was um, selling out to China, that he uh, was using drugs and that his laptop was um, was uh, was seized and reported on. That's he he's claimed all of that was fake news. That's all he has said. That's all that is said about Hunter Biden and fake news is that every scandal about him he's claimed is fake. The problem is he's been he's wrong. He's wrong. And the entire media establishment that enveloped him in bubble wrap when the New York Post broke the story of the laptop, the entire media that enveloped him and said this looks like a Russian intelligence operation, we can't validate or verify the authenticity of any of this. That was their argument to shut down the New York Post, which they did on Twitter and everyone else who circulated that story. They were wrong. They were wrong. The New York Post was right. He has nothing to teach our students. I'd, I, if I were your student, I'd run. If you are tired of paying those electric power companies and their power bill increases and thinking about going solar, there's no better time to do so. And with my friend Solar Sandy, the woman who brought integrity back to solar in Arizona, she also actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. When you go solar, it's important you do it the right way. And Solar Sandy has the formula. Not only that. If you sign up now, she will pay your power bills for one year and your solar panel payments for one year, and you will receive a $1,000 bonus at signing. Appointments are available in person or by Zoom, but please go to AskSolarSandy.com to get started. She has a great reputation. You can see the customer comments on her website. Fantastic. AskSolarSandy.com. Or give her a call at 623-850-8229. If you think Washington spending is a mess and corrupt, wait till the power company monopolies are done with us. Solar Sandy can stop 
all that. Well, here we are again with Andrew Cuomo news that will amount to very, very little. They raided the wrong home in New York today. You see this? The FBI raided Rudy Giuliani's home today. Ukraine, don't you know? Um, Meanwhile, Fox News headline, Cuomo administration deliberately blocked release of true New York nursing home death toll. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's administration repeatedly engaged in a concerted months-long effort to deliberately play down the number of COVID-19-related deaths among nursing home patients in the state. Senior aides for the governor purportedly sought to prevent New York state health officials, including Commissioner Howard Zucker, from releasing the true death toll. As previously reported by Fox News, Cuomo's administration was logging the location of nursing home residents since at least April 2020, despite claims those numbers could not be verified for a report issued months later. According to a document obtained by Fox, facilities were required to report the number of residents who died from COVID-19 daily. Officials were aware of the true death toll since last spring. An unpublished report said nursing home deaths accounted for 35 percent of all deaths at the time, though the version that was eventually released by the government of New York said 21 percent. The Times reported that Cuomo's top aides watched closely over the report, which began to be compiled in April of last year. An email obtained by the publication noted that Melissa DeRosa, Cuomo's secretary, said they were getting anxious about the report and sought to downplay the idea that Cuomo's nursing home directive was potentially a problem. You see, he had a book to sell. He had a book to sell because he had a story to sell. And the story was fiction. Two kinds of books in this world, fiction and nonfiction. He wrote a fiction book. I'm Seth Leapson. We'll be right back.